0: What's up, everyone? Thank you so much for listening to the Go Long podcast. I greatly appreciate it, and thanks to everybody who subscribes to Go Long over at golongtd.com. You may have caught it this morning, but we had a Q&A with Tiki Barber. He was fascinating, unbelievably insightful, learned a lot. We got into football why he retired early if he has any regrets remember the Giants won a Super Bowl the very next season and he was at the top of his game his three Pro Bowl seasons were those final three seasons with the Giants with Tom Coughlin and there might be a few Tom Coughlin stories in here there's some Eli Manning stories maybe you'll laugh maybe you'll cry football life it was a lot of fun so thank you so much for listening Just a small word of warning. His audio, this is what matters most, is fantastic, crystal clear. My audio, for whatever reason, we're kind of working through the kinks of StreamYard, it picked up on the laptop. So you can hear us go back and forth just fine. Um, Just a little scratch here on my end. But anyways, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for leaving a review. Uh, This is how we keep this thing growing. All right. Here is Tiki Barber. Here he is in real life, the man, the legend, Tiki Barber. It is a uh, it's an honor to be chatting with you here, uh, Tiki. Man, you help me so much with the book behind me, the blood and guts, uh, telling old Jeremy Shockey stories. And um, I mean, I, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I just feel like you are one of the all time greats that. We have to kind of keep thumping people over the head with with that reality because it, it well, shouldn't get lost in time. Because well, it's, you
1: know how, it's unbelievable. Look, running backs are disrespected now. I mean, think about how the old guys are <laughs> disrespected. They never paid us any money and they didn't appreciate it unless you were just, uh, you know, Jim Brown level. Um, but I appreciate you, Todd. It's good to be with you, dude. You too.
0: It's, it's always great uh, catching up with you, you know, whether we're Talking about football back in the day or football now, but for everybody who doesn't know, I mean, you you have every record that you can possibly have as a Giants running back, except for one. So you're
1: except what's for the one? one touchdowns. Brandon Jacobs has me by like two, and it's only because I, there's at least a dozen times where I got caught on the I don't know three yard line, two yard line, and I'm just like I'm look, I'm I'm not, I'm trying not to look at the sideline. Because as soon as I look at the sideline, I know I'm going to be told, "Get your ass over here!" And here comes big ass six five, you know, two fifty Brandon Jacobs to smash in and grab the touchdown. And I'm like, God! Oh. So he has me by two, I think, touchdowns in our career.
0: Other oh than God. that, I, mean,
1: I, got, I got most of the rest. <laughs> I mean, ten thousand
0: four hundred forty nine rushing yards, five thousand one hundred eighty three receiving yards. Um, your 2005 season, at the time, the second most yards for anybody ever, yeah. 2,390. And it's so funny you bring up Jacobs. I'm one of my best friends, I he, he fell in love with the Giants because of you. Like, right, right at the end when, for whatever reason, Giant fans were getting pissed off at Tiki Barber. Just so you know, <laughs> my buddy Zach Scott fell in love with the Giants.
1: <laughs> I love
0: it. I but love it, was, it. He goes – I texted him. I go, uh, hey, what, what do you want me to ask Tiki?" And he goes, "You gotta ask him about Brandon Jacobs stealing all of his touchdowns because that <laughs> That's is just
1: really, it's So true, though. I wish it was like a facetious, like half joking. It's the truth, right? He had all his touchdowns because I was, I didn't know how to score. And by the way, scoring is an art, right? There's a, there's a process to f- whether it's an extra two yards or whether it's breaking a thirty yarder. Right? There's a, there's an art to doing it, and I just never had it, right. I could I could score the easy ones, but I, I couldn't do the hard ones. Um Tomlinson is the perfect example. I mean, that dude had like 89 touchdowns, or maybe more than that. Uh, he just knew how to to get that extra whatever and get into the end zone. Um, and it's why he's a Hall of Famer. And 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 I'm second on this all time score uh, touchdown list for the Giants. So, but I don't mind. I mean, it is what it is. I just take it out on BJ every now and then
0: you have to you have to uh you know where where do you want to start I, I think you know a lot of folks probably don't really know your upbringing roanoke virginia right raised mm-hmm. by a single mom obviously you and ronde probably closer than we could ever imagine but uh, yeah what, what was your childhood really like for people who might not know
1: well, so yeah we grew up my mom and dad were divorced when we were very young and uh until recently i mean recently i mean in the last like decade i didn't have a relationship with my dad now we're very close. Um, so it was just my mom. And she worked two, sometimes three jobs on, on the weekends. And she always made it feel like we didn't need anything. Even though we knew we weren't like rich, we never felt like we needed anything. And that was, that was mostly because of my mom. Uh, and I think the, the, way, the reason it worked is because I had a twin brother, right? If I was a single, um, you know, only child, it it would my mom she it would it would it wouldn't have been as easy for her to, to deal uh, with us but we we loved to be in each other's company when we were younger like we would never leave each other's sides and so we always had each other's back we my mom even says we used to speak this other language which I think was just mumbling right saying words and mumbling but we could understand what we were saying um, and so uh it was just it was the three of us uh and then when we got a little bit older we started playing some sports and i was always fast so when you're like 10 to you know eight to ten if you're fast you're 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 going to be good at sports and that's how we that's how we started and then we started to grow into the things that we love football and and wrestling and track and field uh, which ultimately led to us, you know, having good high school careers and going on to college, and then ultimately to the NFL. So uh, it's 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 a little bit more complicated than that. But I felt like my childhood was was not one of like harsh um, lessons that turned me into the success that I was. You know what I mean? I always felt yeah. like I was taken care of, and man, a lot of that is because of my mom, who's amazing. That's incredible. I am sure you could ask this a million
0: times, but like I'm talking to you here. You look like Ronde, you sound like Ronde. I gotta think you
1: screwed with people, especially in high school. We never and did, it, dude, because we really? were too shy. Like, we weren't we weren't unshy until we got into the NFL. And that was just because, I mean, you're in the NFL, like you finally got some money in your pocket and people care about you a little bit. But before that, if we didn't know you, we were not talking to you we had our, we had our very close knit group of friends. And other than that, it was kind of like, all right, who the hell are you? Like, what are you doing here? Um, So we never, we never played tricks because we just didn't, I don't, I don't think we felt confident doing it. Now, if we had the personalities that we have now back then, Oh, forget it. It would have been, it would have been out of control.
0: <laughs> and so when you, you know, not drafted in 97, you go 36th overall to, to the Giants, obviously. Rondé goes 77th. Yeah. Um, but just, you know, reading about both of you at that time, is it true how, like, he was kind of singularly focused with football, obsessed with football, and at a very early age when you get to New York City, you're, you know, you're, you're enamored with stuff beyond the field, right? Well, I mean, you're in... Manhattan,
1: you're in New well, York City. There's four. I think it's, it's, it's so. ronde didn't play right away, I and mean, ronde almost didn't make it. As crazy as that sounds, he's a Hall of yeah. Famer now. But there was a point early in his career where you probably would have said he's not going to make it in the NFL in his first, you know, 10, 12 games or something like that, even maybe going into his second season. But then he just figured it out because he had the right coaches. Tony Dungy was fantastic, obviously, but. You know, Mike Tomlin, these mentors who, who went on to great things in their respective coaching careers helped Rondé evolve into a player who could contribute and then thrive. Um, you know, Monty Kiffin is the biggest one because he put Rondé in positions to be, um, I, I think, unique, right? Because he's a Hall oh, he of Famer. changed the game. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He's a Hall of Famer, and it's not because, you know, he was the biggest and then had the most intercepts. It was because he did everything. He was He was uniquely defensive. In fact, if you look at, you know, the the linebacker slash corner position in the NFL, it is what it is now because of Rondé. Like the reason that nickel is a base defense. Think about nickel. Three defensive backs is a uh, cornerbacks is a base defense now uh, to the point where they even have a nickel in the pro bowl. All of that is because of Rondé because he could play linebacker. He'd have 100 plus tackles. And so to answer your question more directly. Uh, Rondé was put in a position where he had to like scramble to make it early. And so he became obsessed with it and he never became unobsessed with it. Like it was just everything was about making it. And even after he made it, he was still trying to make it. Right. And it's, and it's why he played for 16 years and helped them win a Super Bowl and did so many great things as a, as a football player. I started right away. That was one of the very, few giant rookies uh, in their history up to that point that started on my very first opening day. And I was, I was good for four or five games. And then I got hurt. I tore my PCL and my right knee and my, my gate changed. my speed game changed. I missed, I missed three games really didn't play for six. And you know, like, I, I just turned into this different person, not someone that I recognized, and I didn't feel comfortable in my own body. And as a result, I started like wondering if this is what I wanted to do. Can I play this game as a two hundred pound back, you know? And I'm I'm half hurt, so I start in my off seasons. I started doing other stuff, and it started at WFAN, working in the overnights with Joe Boningo in this little shitty basement in the bottom of this Queens studio, and you know, I I ultimately turned it into a media career that just kept growing and growing and growing because I started to get better and better and better as a as a as a giant right and when you're in New York and you're a successful athlete you can literally do whatever you want right you can get away with murder that type of thing <laughs> um, but also the opportunities just came can come to your doorstep and i've never been one to turn away from an opportunity and so i grew these two as i call them these parallel paths right one is a as a football player uh, who was trending towards the all-time leading rusher that you were talking about but also this other media career that just had a lot of interest in uh, to me uh i met so many different and diverse uh people uh, in the media world that it made um it made my jumping off point that when i retired really really easy right so many so many guys that get to the end of their careers on the on the on their respective fields and they're just like i have no idea what i'm going to do um maybe that's changed a little bit now because of how you know how they how they develop brands but but in in my day, like you, you didn't know what you were going to do. If you spent a decade uh, playing football, I knew exactly what I wanted to do probably five year, four or five years into my NFL career.
0: And that was so different for your time. And maybe a reason, at least, you know, Oh, five, Oh six. So was it like five games into your last year? You said, look, this is my last year because you know you don't, you don't want to beat the hell out of your body. You have other interests you're charismatic you're thinking you're, you're thinking ahead in a way players really weren't then and I, I think like giant fans didn't really know how to wrap their minds around well, it like no you're, you're gonna play
1: until yeah. we say you can't play anymore well you know as a fan you do take ownership of of your of the players on your teams you 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 love them you want them to play forever you want them to you know help you win a championship and you know, at, at that time, you're right. It was like four or five games into my last season. I just I just knew I wasn't. I didn't want to do this. Do it anymore. Um, I still I still knew I was going to be good, and I had a really good last season. But I, the grind had war, war on me, and my body felt terrible. I just I didn't want to get beat up anymore. And you know, it's it's it it led me to really and and tr- truly pursue um, a, a media career. Um, at the time, I was working for Fox News on my off days. So I'd go in in the mornings, I'd do Fox and Friends. Um, you know, sometimes they'd have me do other shows. And uh, I, I started to develop this reputation as this diverse, uh, I don't want to call it a renaissance man because I didn't do enough to be called that. But I was doing so many different things. It felt like, oh, Tiki can do anything. And and so I wanted to take advantage of that because uh, I didn't want to get beat up anymore. And, and I did. And I jumped when the iron was hot, went to the Today Show and had... Had a pretty fun, you know, four, three or four years there, uh, before ultimately, you know, I I came over to to CBS and have been here for a decade plus now. Do
0: you regret it? You know, there we're so many years removed from them. Obviously, no they won the Super Bowl the next well, year. Regret, oh,
1: you know what? I didn't, Tyler. I didn't think they were close to winning a Super Bowl. I didn't. I didn't think the Giants were anywhere near winning a Super Bowl. Like it's revisionist history to say it was inevitable, but it wasn't right tom Coffin almost got fired in 07 or 06 i should say the 06 season leading into the 07 season right. that was a real thing um, and if he hadn't um, changed some of his ways of treating the players he would have been um, and it, and because he did and you got to you got to respect him for it cuz now he's a hall of fame head coach those guys responded and they played their ass off for him he went from being uh, dis like disliked heavily disliked to being someone that these guys loved, um and that's a credit to, to coach Coughlin but at the time I didn't think I didn't think that was going to happen and nor did I want to be a part of it because I, I didn't want to get beat up anymore right the, the running back has changed in today's NFL right maybe they get 60 percent of the touches except for Christian McCaffrey who never leaves the field right there's always there's a guy that does this there's another guy that does this is there's, there's another guy that does that I did everything other than score touchdowns, right. I did, I did everything. Um, you know, I'd have 400 plus touches a year and for, I'm also, I'm only, I struggled to keep it 205 I, I just didn't want to do it anymore. And so people always ask me, do you regret leaving? I, Timing's a bitch is my response, right? <laughs> I could have stayed another year or we could have won the year that I left. Who, like, yeah. I don't know. Um, it, 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 do, it didn't go into my calculation. What, what I cared about was, um, was feeling fulfilled in what I was doing uh, professionally, and at that point, it wasn't football anymore. So I don't regret it because I didn't yeah. want to do it. Right? You know how much work it takes to be an NFL, you know—to be an NFL player and to do well at it. It's a grind, man. And Especially I Especially when you got walk.
0: Joe Carini in there, right? Yeah. You're, you're with right? the strong
1: man. Exactly. He's like, he's throwing 600 pounds on my back and saying, go squat and take a walk. Like all these, is crazy. No, thanks. No, I, yeah. Give me a I drink. Mean, I loved it. I loved it until I didn't.
0: <laughs> you know what I
1: mean?
0: That, that's amazing. You know, that, uh, God, I mean, Jeremy Shockey, those stories had me cracking up um, yeah. for more reasons than one. But I think, uh, Brandon Short was telling me the story how like he just called Tom Coughlin an asshole right to the press, right in the papers. Yeah, right. The next day they're like, Jeremy, like why 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 are you call the head coach an asshole? Was, oh, that's a free country. Free free speech just kept walking. But I, it was I mean, he was old school and you guys you know went at it, right? Very, very publicly you would you and Tom Coughlin. What was it really like, you know, before well, he kind of you know had what? this
1: well, change? I, you know, I think the it's it's the idea of I'm respecting you. You also have to respect me, and especially because I'm not a kid. I'm not 21 years old. I'm 30 years old or 29 years old when he got there. Um, actually, I think I was 28 when he – I'm 28 years old. I've been busting my ass trying to make this Giants franchise uh, relevant and good. Yes, we went to the Super Bowl. That was, you know, five years ago. But I'm I'm still all in here, right? I give every ounce of myself to this team, to this organization, to my teammates. Um, and he just – He was trying to weed out guys who didn't buy in. And maybe that works in college. Maybe that worked in a startup. Um, I call it a startup, the expansion, Jacksonville Jaguars. To me, it didn't fly uh, with the Giants. Um, But again, to his credit, and I respect the hell out of him, he changed and he won two Super Bowls because of it.
0: Yeah, and it's it's weird if, if you're not there because outside looking in, Right, you had your three best seasons yeah. at the end there oh, yeah. i mean oh, and
1: i give him credit i give him a lot of credit for turning me into the player that was a three-time you know pro bowler a two-time all pro it, it was it was a lot because of him and his coaching staff gerald ingram who doesn't get enough mention who was my mm-hmm. running back coach really changed my career both by getting me to focus on being strong in the right places so that i was durable uh, to take a pounding that i was taking but also how to stop, you know, putting the ball in the turf and changing, right. changing mechanically how I carry the football. Right. It's it's all it's everything is physics, man. Like science rules our world, <laughs> whether it's, you know, you want to talk about, you know, the, the, how particles interact with one another, but also how, you know, leverage matters in, 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 a, in a game. Um, he taught me that and it changed. It changed the trajectory of my latter part of my career
0: it's I remember thinking how wild that was in real time. I think he had what, like twelve loss fumbles in two years and then yeah. almost nothing after that. Yeah. It just was kind of holding the ball up. I can picture yeah. you now at some of those classic yeah. games. Just yeah. kind of holding it tighter to your chest, even even if you feel a, like you're in the open field and you might be able to pump those arms, just being safe with it. I
1: feel like I had fifty nine career fumbles. Maybe that maybe that's heavy. Maybe that I, mean, I can't remember what the number was. But it but at the end it, it was only like five in the last three years so it just it it just changed how i carried the football and my attention to detail um and i honestly the biggest thing that i still take from coach coughlin is that the details matter right The, the the little things matter the big things that everybody sees and talks about that's i mean it's interesting and you know it's it's low hanging fruit but the details are what matter. The details are what make you great at what you do. Rich, those
0: details might just piss you off from time to time. I, I get it. <laughs> the Coughlin time. he probably had some idiosyncrasies that we can't even wrap our minds uh, yeah. around.
1: Yeah, he like uh, taught us how to put our socks on so we didn't get blisters. I tell people that all the really? time. Bl- yeah, we had a meeting about how to put our socks on so that we didn't get blisters. That was the detail that he went. Into.
0: <laughs> how do you how do you endure a meeting like that as a as a uh, 30-something year old?
1: I mean you kind of need to listen because he's not wrong. Because <laughs> we did, we were having a lot of blisters. And it's stu- oh, really it's stupid and simple things. Like you know that little line on your sock? Right? It's it's a reason that it's there and not like on the bottom of your foot. Because if it's on the bottom of your foot then you're going to hit if you hit it the wrong way and your feet get sweaty uh and it's now irritating your foot then you're going to develop a blister right and so or if you, you know the you say you're wearing um yeah, like the, the the back heel of the sock right there's a little pocket in there and it's there for yeah. a reason so that it doesn't slide like your your foot doesn't slide around like so if there's like laxity in that that little socket in the back of your your shoe and your shoe is tied too loose and you're, you're gonna get a blister right so <laughs> it, it's, it sounds so stupid but it actually was relevant
0: <laughs> that's amazing I feel like you would be a great middle-aged man life coach like I need a I need that's like a, a hologram of Tom Coughlin yeah. is, you know, all right you're you're washed up, Tyler. But here's how you're going to get through the day without without That's any right.
1: injuries here. That's right. He's going to all the little things you're going to do right. Now you might not do the big things good enough, but all the little things you're going to do right. That's exactly what. And then you had a lot of meetings. I
0: mean, the gosh, there was, I love when you called him out after the Jacksonville game that last year, where you weren't
1: getting the ball. You were right. It wasn't him. It wasn't even him. I wasn't even talking about him. I was talking about our offensive coordinator, Coach Huff. Oh yeah, he wouldn't have been calling the plays. Yeah, yeah. it was it was it was Huff, and like I loved Huff. He just he just we we had trouble communicating with him because he was he was deaf um, in one of his ears, and so the things that we would try to translate just wouldn't ever they wouldn't register, and and Mm -hmm. so in that Jacksonville game, we threw the ball. I want to say like forty something times. We had I don't know ten carries. And at the time, we were one of the top rushing teams in football. And I was like, "Well, what the hell are we doing? Like, like, we know what we're good at. Why are we not doing that?" Um, and and Coach Coffin had to reassign Coach Huffnagel, and uh, Kevin Gilbride took over as the offensive coordinator. And Kevin Gilbride helped them win two championships. So it was it, it just it worked out, but it was what the team wanted, and nobody would say it. So I said it. <laughs>
0: I mean time and time again, you you're you're saying things that probably so many people were thinking mm-hmm. you know, in, in in that room and yeah. uh you know you you won't say it. You probably deserve a ring as much as anybody for kind of speaking oh, some of these said. things into existence.
1: I, w- I was not there and I did not want to go through the grind. So no, I don't. But um I l I feel like I left the Giants better than when I got there. And that's yeah. that that's, that's what that's what matters. Um and that's that's what I hope my legacy in that organization is.
0: I mean, the icon, there's so many iconic plays, games, but um, the the one that that jumps out here, I don't know if it does for you at the top of the list. That just a couple of days after Wellington passes, and yeah. you go for 200 playoff that's game, the playoff remember. Earth at state. Yeah.
1: The, de- the details of that game is, are the only one is the only one I remember fully. Like a lot of the games, I know I had like a play or two. Um, The only one I really fully remember from start to finish, like what the morning was like, what the locker room was like, what the National Anthem, Katie Maris saying it was like, what the fan emotion felt like. Um, I remember that one from start to finish. And I'll never forget it because of of how it all went down. I mean, obviously, it was because we we were playing our rival, the then Redskins. And, um, you know, that week was so emotional with him. Uh, passing away on a Tuesday and then being laid to rest on a, on a Friday his, and John Mara gave this amazing eulogy at his, at his service at, at St. Patrick's cathedral. And we all went as a team, like we took the buses and we went out and we came back and we practiced and, you know, it's just, I, I don't know. I just like, I felt, I felt empty to be honest with you um, for a lot of that week. Because I was there on Tuesday when he when he right before he passed, uh, it was our off day, and they kind of knew. And the Mara family asked me to come visit. And Shockey was the was the other player that they asked to come out. He was Wellington's favorite player, and um, I got to say goodbye to him. Um, most other most of the other players didn't. Uh, maybe they didn't have the relationship that I did with the Mara family and with Wellington. But I got a chance to say goodbye to him, and, it, and I'll never ever ever forget that. Uh, and then that Saturday, that Sunday comes around and it's the perfect day, right? It was, it was gorgeous, gorgeous day. And the first play of the game, we just split it perfectly. Now, part of it was Sean Taylor took a stupid angle to try to cut off, this, cut off the edge, but he ran underneath the block and it's opened up the sideline for me. And I just, I busted it out and got caught because I'm old at this point. Um, and that happened a couple of times, but um, I finally scored a touchdown and I gave the ball to Timmy McDonald, his grandson. And, Who's a close friend and still a close friend? I uh, Was one of our ball boys and told him, "This is for you and your family and your grandfather." I thank you for making me a giant, and then I took myself out of that game. I was my 200th and a, a sixth yard and a touchdown. Yeah, it's it's one I'll never forget.
0: How do you uh, how do you process the emotions? The way you're you're in the room, you're with the family, you're saying yeah. goodbye that yeah. that Tuesday. I mean, it can go, it can go yeah. to any extreme, really. I mean, you could be a total emotional wreck, unable to play, and yeah. you know, you have to win that game to get in the playoffs. It's a huge game.
1: Yeah. This um, the, well, this this one was earlier. Yeah, it was earlier in the season, but it oh, that's one, right. Okay. It one that, it, it became one that mattered. Um, yeah. So just for context, we knew at the beginning of the season that, that both of our owners were were sick. Um, Wellington had melanoma. And he would, had been in and out of uh, the hospital. Bob Tish, our other owner, had a, a brain tumor, and I know he had traveled multiple times down to uh, North Carolina. I think he went. I think he was going to Duke, trying to find some cure. And I had a, I had a, I had an even closer relationship with with Bob Tish than I did with Wellington, because Bob lived in the city, and I lived on the Upper East Side. He lived in the, he lived in the Regency on Park Avenue. And so I would do a lot of things with him, go to dinner with him. I'd go to, you know, his, he had a jazz club, Feinstein's in the Regency. We'd go to political events together. I spent a lot of time with, with, with Bob. And we knew at the beginning of the season that they were, they were both sick. And well, and um Tom Kaufman told us, we are the team of record. Maybe some guys didn't know what that meant, but he said, we are the team of record for both of our owners. And I took that to heart and it's why, I mean, it's not an accident that I had 1,823 yards that year uh, rushing and then 500 something receiving. And I rushed for 200 yards three times, including the game that you're thinking about, which is the Oakland, um, uh, the Oakland game, which was on uh new year's Eve. I think, I think it was new year's Eve, whatever it was. And, you know, uh, like the, those, the, that that season meant more to me than any football season in the history of my life, um, because of what those two men, Wellington and Bob, meant to me. And um, I didn't, it, I didn't, I wasn't taking it lightly. And to be honest with you, um, I almost retired after that year because I, it, like, something was gone. If, if that makes any sense, right? There was a, there was a, yeah. there was a, a connection that I didn't feel was still there. And I'm close to John, Mara, but I didn't. It's it's not the same kind of relationship that I had with Wellington. Um, I'm close to John and Steve Tish, but it's not nearly the type of relationship that I had with with their father. And so um, I don't know. It just it felt like my time was. It was time for me to leave. But I stayed another year until, as we talked about before, that fifth game when I was like, "Dude, I'm I'm done. I'm, I, I don't want to do this anymore." Um, but that year was special. 05 was real special for me.
0: What, what what do you think just made you different as a back? When the ball was in your hands, uh, what made T.P. Uh,
1: different than anybody honestly, else? Honestly, Tyler, I was smarter than – I knew I was smarter than everybody else, right? I knew that I was working harder. I knew that I was studying things that you weren't studying or the defense wasn't studying. So I knew what they were trying to do to me, and so I could take advantage of it. Um, I, like, I, I wasn't – at that point, I wasn't fast. I wasn't – I was strong, but I wasn't – you know, I wasn't – Brandon Jacobs' powerful – but I was a slasher, right? If you just, what was my running style? I would slash. And so I'd set you up and then I'd cut across your face. And even if you thought you had me dead to rights, I knew you weren't making an arm tackle, right? Cause I could run through the arm tackle. And so I, 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 as I got older, I just got really smart and, and patient. And I understood what those five guys in front of me were trying to do on every single play. Right. It, it, it wasn't like, oh, I, I think he's supposed to go here. I'm going to just going to, you know, find the hole. Like I knew exactly where it was supposed to open. And those guys up front, they were so smart. They don't get enough credit. Um, you know, maybe O'Hara does because he's on he's in media now and they talk about him. But Kareem yeah. McKenzie and Snee uh, and and so- Soyberg and David Deal, even Luke Pettigrew, who was who was there as well. Like They don't get enough credit for how smart they were as an offensive line. They were all really good athletes, but they were smart. Like they didn't fuck up. They didn't screw up. Um, and the reason that I had the success I had was because of those guys. And you know that, it, you know that that's true because the next year, after I retired in 06, 06, after the 06 season, the 07 season had the almost the exact number of rushing yards, right? It, it was three guys. It was Brandon and, and Derek uh, Ward and, um, Um, yeah, Mod Bradshaw, Earth, Wind, and Fire, right? It was that old line was phenomenal, right? So I reaped the benefits of a great cohesion with five guys in front of me.
0: And then you you enter, you know, your post NFL life, and you had options. I want to say Fox had a big Mm -hmm. offer on the table like four years, 3.3 million a year, they were throwing around. It was,
1: it was a big NBC. Gig. Yeah, yeah. It was, like Fox, Fox was exciting to think about. But at that time, I had very young kids. Um, you know, AJ was five, I think. Oh, seven. Yeah, AJ was five. And and Jason was three. Um, and I didn't want to be on the West Coast every weekend doing Fox. I didn't want to travel every weekend uh, with with young kids at home. And the Today Show is the Today Show. right? It's just it's it's a it's the greatest morning television show, maybe in the history of morning television shows. Um, and I had an opportunity to work for them, you know, not just the football night in America, which was nascent and new. And it didn't work out there because they didn't have an idea of what they wanted. It was three of us. It was me, Jerome Bettis and Chris Collinsworth, all in this little room. And like collectively, we could talk for three minutes. right? But it was only it was it was too much. It wasn't enough airtime for all of us. Um, but I did some great. Stories for the Today Show, and I did some things that I, I don't think I would have thought about if I hadn't, including going shark diving in Hansbai, South Africa, um, or or visiting a shanty town, or doing a story on all the ball, ballparks in uh, in Major League Baseball, like things that I just I just had a passion for, um, but didn't know I did until I actually did it. And I,
0: when you were able to talk sports, I love the honesty, man. It was uh, refreshing. It might get you in the crosshairs from time to time.
1: You know what? But you, uh, you have to. You, you yeah. have to speak. Truth, people people right? want you to be real, right? Well, I, I think it, it's changed now. Like former athletes used to never criticize anybody ever, ever. Now they do it all the time. You look at Charles Barkley. Hell, he's in trouble with every you know every current athlete in in in, in, in the NBA. Um, but at the time, like saying something that was an opinion. Which is what you're, which you're hired to do, felt unpopular. It felt it felt like you were betraying something, um, and you know, I just, I just tell it like it is, not with malice, uh, but just facts, right? I, I speak very factually. If you listen to my radio show, that's how I am, right? I have fun. I'm not. I don't take myself seriously. I don't necessarily have to be right, um, but I'm just. I'm going to tell you the facts as I see them.
0: Completely. I, I think that's maybe. I spend a lot of time complaining about, like, the state of media and sports media a lot. But I, I guess that's one good thing going is you can be yourself yeah. and build an audience because right. anybody can build anything. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do here out uh, yeah. in the independent world. But, you know, out there in New York radio, people probably love listening to you because they know that you're not going to feed them right. a chum bullshit. Right. So. You know, if you were to say today, oh yeah, Eli Manny gave some really comical speeches, and <laughs> we heard it within the context in which you say it, it's right. probably
1: like we probably laugh with you, and like yeah, well, he, well now he because, probably was pretty dorky in that sense by the way, now you know Eli, now people yeah. know what I'm talking about, right? He like he had this persona being this just like I don't I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to be stay here and stuff. But he was like he was funny as hell, dude, and he was awesome. And so when I talked about like him leading in this comical way. The only thing you hear was this was he's comical. That's not that's not what I was talking about, right? I'm talking about him being relatable. He's a Manning for Christ's sakes, right? He's a, he's a, he's he's NFL royalty. You you expect him to be like this buttoned up whatever, but now you know removed from that. You see first how, how Peyton is. You see how Cooper is now. And, and Eli is just, he's the third one, right? Or he is, he's the, he's the youngest one. The I they're all the same, right? They have these amazing sense of humors that until you see it and know it, you just, you don't, you, you think they're the Mannings, right? They're, they're just people, man. And they like to have fun and it's awesome. It's so true.
0: Yeah. We like, he, he kind of leans into that, that dorky yeah. persona now to yeah. the extreme, what, what yeah. kind of stuff was he doing behind the scenes that was hilarious?
1: All kinds of things. So the funniest story ever, so we used to, like, ball up our tape, you know, like uh, tape, tape your ankles, tape your wrists, and you ball it up. And we all think we're basketball players, so you're just, like, shooting them across the – they have these massive trash cans, you know, that are just in corners and stuff. And Eli's locker was – and so we would do this, but you had to, like, look around, right, because if you didn't <laughs> – your shit was getting smacked like just like right back in your grill. And you and, you know, there's no, there's nobody watching, so it doesn't matter, but it's just, it's just funny, right? And so one day, Eli's, I think he's a rookie. Yeah, he definitely was a rookie. It was an 0- 4 He had just started playing. I think it was, I don't know what week it was. Um, and you know, I'm looking around giving a shit and I shoot this shot and Eli comes flying, butt naked, <laughs> just comes flying and just knocks it out of the I'm like, what? The-? doing <laughs> um, but it was just but that was him like it was out of nowhere because it was out of character for him at least in my mind <laughs> so but he he's he's he, guys love him because he's he's yeah. real he's funny and he's and he performed right at the end of the day he know he he knew how to get better every year and it wasn't um, a surprise that you know he won two super bowls and when it mattered most made the most important plays in in recent giant history
0: and I feel like now, like your place in team history, people are are gaining this appreciation for you. They, they love hearing you talk about the team, and mm-hmm. time heals. But was it was it weird at the? I want to say was it the Ring of Honor when you're getting introduced and fans are booing you? I mean, yeah. it's not like you were arrested. It's not like you were you know, a cancer I mean, in the locker room. I, like you didn't do anything yeah. illegal.
1: I didn't. I never. I mean, I guess I understand it because that's just the emotion of of giant fans. But I media wasn't the same then right it wasn't like the story couldn't be told except by people who who wrote it in, in in on the on the you know the the post or the daily news or even the new york times right so the only way the story was told or explained was by a third party right and so the my side in which I never really even cared to tell people about. I knew in time it would work itself out. And more importantly, I knew in time, I knew in in real time that, uh, Eli and I weren't in a bad spot. Like it was, it was presented as like it's Tiki versus Eli. They hate each other. It's like, no, no, we don't like, but how do you tell that story? You can't. Um, I was at a tournament this past weekend for Derek Jeter and it's the 20th anniversary of, of, um, of, of the Players' Tribune. And now maybe it's the 10th, the 10th anniversary of the Players' Trib- Trib- Tribune. And they were, we were, they were talking about it. And I was like, man, only thing I'm mad about with Derek is that I should have thought of this, right? Giving voice to the athlete, right? In their own way to tell their story or tell whatever they're, they want to, they want to get out. Uh, that's what the Players Tribune was has, was doing, but that that came around in 2013, right? In 2006, seven, it was just you you were subject to whoever wanted it, who was ever going to tell the story, and it wasn't you. Now you can tell your own story, which um, you know it it just changes the landscape in so many ways. Athletes are very intelligent, and even if they're not book smart, there's a savvy that you have. There's an understanding that some a lot of us have that lets you. I don't know communicate your story the right way instead of having to go through a third party
0: and you were kind of in a darker time then you know there was because you tried to come back right four years after yeah that, you that retired, was but-
1: yeah that was like four years after that that was it was right before the the um i think it was a lockout it wasn't a yeah it was a lockout. right, right before the lockout i mean it was it was dark because i was going through a divorce and I, I wasn't doing anything i wasn't working really and I had a previous relationship with Steve Ross and do a business venture. And he was like, yeah, come try out. Um, So I, I got back in shape and started working with Joe Carini again. I was strong and I felt, I felt great. And, and then the lockout happened. So I went on my, I went on a visit to Miami. I worked out. Um, I thought it went well. And then all of a sudden they can't talk to him anymore um, because the players are locked out. And so it just, it just fizzled before it ever got started. But honestly, it was a blessing in disguise because a couple of things happened not too soon after that one i started my own company called fusio which was uh it's still around and we just got acquired about 18 months ago by triller and i also started on cbs sports uh, network which is a brand new national network to cover the owned and affiliated i think there's probably I don't know, a couple hundred uh, affiliated stations around the country for CBS sports radio at the time now we've subsequently been bought by uh, Odyssey um, but it led to the stepping stone that became my my most recent tenure on WFAN. so it it, it was it, I think I could have done it I really do um, but I think ultimately I would have not enjoyed it so I'm, I'm almost glad that I didn't didn't make it back because the things I got involved with subsequently were much better for my health and much better for uh, my professional career.
0: It's a, I think if we were to look at all of the retired athletes in, in the sport, you would be at the top of the list of like Tiki Barber is going to retire and be happy for the rest of his life. But even yes. you, you, you kind of work through some oh, personal right. stuff. You were, you've been open about it. Depression, down out. Like the today show didn't work out, and yeah, you, you got out of it. it. Like how did how did you hit that brick wall, fall down, and kind of get back up? To get to
1: well, I mean, right? the the biggest one, um, and I and I alluded to this earlier, was my father. Um, and obviously, the my brother and my family and friends, they they were they, they were always there. But when I sat down and was uh, like a little bit lost and then i got remarried um to tracy who is amazing um she reached out to my father and and we knew we were gonna have kids and she wanted um our kids um to know all of their grandparents while they were still if they could that they were still alive and fortunately for her um and me both my mom and dad and her mom and dad are still alive and so she wanted my kids to meet all their, you know, their grandparents, and so she reached out to my dad, unbeknownst to me, by the way. I didn't, I was, I didn't know, and then, uh, like two months later, she told me, "Like you're gonna be upset with me," and I'm like, "Why? What'd you do?" And she said, "Your dad's coming to visit," <laughs> and I, by the way, I haven't, Tyler, I haven't talked to him in 15 years. I, I mean, I don't know. It's been, it's been forever. Last time I talked to him, and it was for half a second. Was it a Cowboy game my second year or something like that in the, in the league? Um, and so I'd, I had never spent any real time with him since I was in seventh grade. So now all of a sudden he's coming, right, from Oklahoma. What's going through your head at that point? Um, I, I was very curious. I am a naturally curious person. And I knew it wouldn't be like – it wouldn't be anger. or it, I knew that emotion was nowhere. It, I was, cu- I was just curious because I, I don't know him. You know what I mean? But he's my father. He was a star at Virginia tech. He was roommates with Bruce Arians. Like he was, he was the man back in the day. And then things got in the way and his life went adrift and he was lost a little bit. He got saved by, uh, an, an Indian, a Christian Indian. Her name is Addie. Uh, and it's, it's still his wife, and she took him back to church, and they ultimately settled to uh, Oklahoma because he they went to Oral Roberts, and now he's the uh, the dean of fields, uh, no, the dean of practical theology and the head of field study out there at Oral Roberts University. I'm, I and I would get these notes, random notes from people, I'd be like, "Oh, your father is amazing. He taught me so much about life and uh, and and and, 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 her, and my my walk with God," and I'm like, I have no idea who you're talking about until I did. And then he came and I happened to have all of my kids that weekend. So I had AJ and Jason and Ella and Riley, and we all, we walk in the door and my dad's sitting in the, at the, at the counter with my wife, having a glass of wine. <laughs> and I was like, all right, well, this is going to be fun. <laughs> and I, like two hours, two hours or three hours later, a couple of bottles of wine, we, I, I heard the story and I, I, I felt like, and my dad's kind of still a hippie, <laughs> um, but it, but it was awesome, and we developed this unbelievable bond that was heretofore gone. And when he left, I got a letter from my half sister Krista, um, who is like she's a DA, she's a, she's an ass kicker, man. Like she's a she's awesome, and it made me cry. Right? She she had this note that basically was saying, um. I've wanted to write you this note. She's 35, I think now, 36. She, she's a little bit older. Maybe she's a little bit older than, than my, my my wife. But she's basically said, I wanted to write this. I wanted to send you this note since I was 16. Because I always wanted an, a brother, uh, an older brother. And um, my dad always told us that, don't worry, eventually Tiki and Ronde will be in your life. Like she, he, he always said that to her. Eventually, Tiki and Rondi will be in your life. And she wrote me this this heartfelt like note that just I don't know, it, it moved me. And I, I now gain not only back my father, in my life, but also a half brother and a, and a half sister who who I've gotten close with over the last few years. So, I mean, it's you, you get out of tough times by falling back on what's important. That's family.
0: That's unbelievable. He, yeah. you, you never hear you never hear that that happy ending in these situations. It's um just the back to what so you were in seventh grade about when he yeah like le- left your life. I mean, was there a, a reason? No, 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 he no. Asked he, Why? He, no,
1: he left our life when we were babies. He, we were babies. Oh, we we're babies. They okay. were divorced when we were two, um, but he came back when we were in seventh grade. I remember this like he came to a wrestling match. We were wrestling and he was there and, you know, we didn't remember, kind of know who he was. We got introduced, we spent some time with him and then he was, then he was gone and we didn't see him again until um, right when we graduated, right when we were about to leave college. He came to my last football game in college against Virginia Tech, last regular season football game against Virginia Tech, his alma mater. And, you know, we said a quick hello, but I didn't have anything to say to him. So it's kind of like, I got to get on the bus. See you later. And then I saw him once in the NFL, a couple years after that. And that was it. Right. And just, but I mean, I thought it's interesting because the history doesn't mean anything. it doesn't matter. Right. History doesn't matter. What, what matters is now. Um, and who he is now and, and what his life is now, not what it was when I didn't know him. So you weren't filled with,
0: Rage and why, and questioning well, him, and pressing I was him, interrogating
1: him. It. Yeah, when I was younger, I was only because, you know, I saw how much my mom struggled. And I don't think I realized it until, in, until I looked back on it in retrospect, how hard it was on my mom that he wasn't there. Um, but my mom never made excuses. She never, um, never made any judgments against him or. Said negative things about him. Even though I'm sure he could, have, she could have. She didn't, and so it kept my um, interpretation of him clean. Right? I had, I have no, I had no biases towards towards him, regardless of you know what led him out of our lives. And uh, I don't know. I, I see that as an, a very important lesson because so often we get influenced by the opinions of other people instead of making judgments on our own and. Uh, I got my. I have my mom to thank for that because because of her not forcing a prejudice in my mind about my father. I have a great relationship with my father.
0: What a life lesson! So two yeah. years later, years later, yeah. you're, you're, right? You seem to be at at it's peace in every possible way.
1: Yeah, it's never too late, Tyler. Never, it never is. And so, you keep um, keep
0: in touch. You guys talk.
1: Oh yeah, we, we, so, you know how we ended up. Really communicating after the you know after that that meeting was through words with friends <laughs> when he played words with friends against each other and chat on that little chat that we used to have a words with friends um but i' I've, I've been out there I've, I go out almost um uh, I'd say every you know five or six months I end up having to be out in Oklahoma and we see him or he'll come here um he and Addie his wife adie uh, and he and him they came um, about five months ago so we we see each other twice a year or so, which is great. You said Indian as in um, Native American or like Indian oh, from from India, uh, the country
0: India. Yeah,
1: so, yeah, but she's Christian. You know, there's there's a lot of Christian um, uh, uh, Indians, not Hindu. Um, Hindu is the predominant language, but uh, there are some Christians, and it's it's because it was a colony. It was a British colony um, back in you know the the colonial colonialized days. And so Christianity is not huge in India, but it is is—it is there. Well, Tiki, this,
0: I, I could talk to you for hours, man. I can't thank you enough for carving out this much time. I'd be, I'd be remiss, though. Like the Giants this year, we, we hear you breaking the team down, but you say yeah. your best stuff for go long. Brian Dable, Joe Shane, Daniel Jones, we're, we're all on board here, man. I think they uh, made all cool. the, the necessary changes. They cleansed the building. You've got competent, qualified people running the show, making really good decisions. But you, you I mean, you know this organization from the top down as, as well as anybody. Uh, where yeah. is this team going?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, look, they, they, they're still building. Let's put it that way. And as the season goes, I have to come back on and we'll get a, a real evaluation of this, uh, Tyler. But they've made the right decisions to get the right kind of people into the organization. And I know people are clamoring about the Daniel Jones contract. As I say, when we talk about Francisco Lindor or whoever has a huge contract, it's just money, right? What matters more is the leadership that guys like Daniel Jones will bring. He's the hardest worker. He's one of the smartest kids you'll ever be around. He's durable. Uh, At least last year he was durable. um, And he's dynamic, right? So I, I think that I think they'll go as far as he as he grows, and another year in Mike Kafka and Brian Dable's system, it just, you you can't help but be excited for it. Now it's going to be hard. because Dallas is supposed to be good. The Eagles are obviously you know defending NFC champs uh, in Washington. If they ever figure out their quarterback situation, have a hell of a defense. But um, coaching matters, and you know I know this because I have kids that are doing you know competitive cheer. I watch I watch my kids competitive cheer. I've watched them compete against other teams that don't have as good of coaching. You see it. And I you see it when you watch the Giants. Coaching matters. That's why he was coach of the year. You really do. I and mean, just to, to
0: keep a good thing going, the people that were criticizing that contract, you can't put a price on
1: no. a full offseason. Right. By, in the system. By the way, it's only, it's really just a two-year deal. Like people are up in arms. It's really a right. two-year deal. It's two years. That's all you got to think about Think about the. Not going to stop you from here. hunting for quarterbacks. The only thing that matters is the guaranteed money. The only—it's truly the only thing that matters in the NFL. After that, you are expendable. Period.
0: <laughs> Fans love you now when you're out on the town. Is it—is it all love at this point? All these years later, and—and and how should people remember?
1: I'm—I I'm am i am have, I have evolved into a trusted voice on one of the most powerful radio stations uh, in New York, really in the country and so honestly that's what people talk to me about it's not it's not about my career anymore it's about my opinion on the yankees and what i feel cashman is doing or uh the mets with these young bats that they've started to bring up it's 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 always about my show now right because that's how i'm publicly perceived it's not as a football we're, we're a generation later now really yeah, it's crazy God, that's right tyler you're exactly right we i literally someone who was born when i retired is 16 right now right yeah. so, so it's 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 a different world i think we've we've, we've we've iterated right we're not talking about tiki the football player we're talking about tiki the opinion maker on wfan <laughs> yeah
0: well you, you do a hell of a job man i mean it's i Thank try to you, catch man. you on tv you know granted i, I have an hell of myself in the sunny and it's hard <laughs> to uh detour off of Bluey, but yeah, yeah. we try to make our way over as much as <laughs> I, possible. I know that world. You'll, you'll be out <laughs> of it soon. <laughs> yeah, we're three and a half and one and a half, so we'll we see. We'll <laughs> so you won't be out of it soon. <laughs> hey, I, I can't thank you enough, Tiki. This was awesome. Uh appreciate all your time and yeah, I mean we'll where, where, where do you want people to find you most if, if they don't if they for some reason they're not watching you or listening to you when and how should they
1: very easy 10 to 2 on wfan or the free odyssey app the free odyssey app you'll always find me there
0: beautiful hey thanks so much we'll uh, hopefully talk soon and you know yeah, through this, this crazy season
1: let's uh let's let's get together again once football is, is, is back in swing absolutely Be good, Tyler.